All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Serious Angler Podcast, powered by our friends over at X2 Power Batteries. Uh, here with the captain, Mr. Andy Full, and as always, I'm your host, Bailey Agbrett. Buddy, one, I love the V-neck just for the folks <laughs> and we had to call it out. I had to go right into it because we were teasing it offline. But, uh, love the style today. I, I certainly love the uh, the camo drunkwood hat that you're yeah. rocking there, good yeah. friend, Mr. John King. Who I still apologize <laughs> for not being able to see when he came up here. But, uh, buddy, what's going on? Oh, not a whole lot. Just uh, another day of catching smallmouth. Getting to a point like I'm feeling slightly burned out. I only made five casts today on my guide trip and caught four fish. So that was pretty neat. Oh, but, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Five, five <laughs> more casts than I made today. And I sat down. And I was like, yeah, you guys just have the time. Like, catch them. I don't care. Like, <laughs> Just get them. It was, it was a good day, though. Fish are in a weird funk transition. Like, yesterday, we had fish on beds, and um, today, we had more fish on beds, and now they're, I can see them, like, actively paired up and spawning. So, big females are shallow, but, you know, I try not to target fish on beds. I just don't feel good about it. So, um, then I slid out deep and tried to find some post spawners, and we did, so that bite should get better by the day. And I'm praying for some wind, which means I'll probably have a cancellation or two and a reschedule. But to be honest, my body could use it because I am hurting. Yeah, I can I can understand not wanting to bring clients to spawners for the pure fact of like if it's somebody that's still learning like what a bass feels like, especially on a spinning rod or that nature, like they don't understand the difference between a rock and a fish yet. Mm-hmm. You might be just putting those fish in a place where like they're getting snagged a lot from clients, which is not always probably the greatest feeling as an angler, but also like not the greatest look as a guide, I would think. Correct. So yeah, and I totally then, understand that. I respect the hell out of that too. And then guiding on spawners as well. Like there's a big dilemma that like gobies are destroying the beds and that we need to have as many fish hatch out of eggs as possible because we have, an ungodly amount of cormorants, which, by the way, I'm pretty sure DC or some state agency is popping them things right now because every day around the walls you just hear like 40 shotgun shells go off and you see blackbirds fall from the sky and it's pretty cool. Dude, can so. I get in on that? <laughs> right? You know how satisfying that would be? You could use, could you put seagulls in the mix too? Yeah, like today I was fishing next to Jim Hanley, who is like an absolute legend around here. And every time a blackbird, you'd hear pop, pop, and like two birds would fall from the sky. You just hear, hell yeah, shoot some more. (laughs) (laughs) Kill him with fire. (laughs) He's like honking the horn on his ranger. (laughs) Can we do the same thing to pickerel? Can we take shotguns to pickerel too? (laughs) Yeah, I was dying. Like you just, you'd see like the, the boat they're in, they would pull up, like get right next to a wall, and I don't know what they would do. And then all of a sudden, all the birds would scatter, and you just watch two black cormorants just fall from the sky. And then you'd hear them drive around, do the same thing and for like an hour today. They're just whoever was doing it were just getting on some cormorants. It either awesome. it's either DEC or it's two just. <laughs> True it's heroes, <laughs> heroes taking one for the team. <laughs> well, this is why I think it's like DC or like US wildlife or something because it's literally like they're in like full like dress gear, work gear, and they're wearing like the bright red life jacket. So you know they work for somebody doing it, and it's like 
Hell yeah. Or it's a disguise, man. Or it could be a disguise. (laughs) (laughs) It's the freaking... I like the conspiracy route, but it's more exciting. (laughs) Yeah, but like I see him come whipping around the corner. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And he's just got a gun holding up in his hand. (laughs) Yeah, until they go around the wall, though, and they shoot one. Like, there's a guy fishing the other wall that's getting pellets rained down. That's what I was worried about. It's like, are they going to shoot towards me, and I'm going to have, like, pellets raining on me? Like... No, they were aiming it's, everything out into the lake. From what it's I happened can... to me before, dude. Literally uh, on Ontario, like they're shooting uh, ducks toward my my way, and I got hit with pellet. That was that was oh. great. Yeah. Uh, mm. But dude, like St. Lawrence needs that bad. Everywhere needs it in upstate New York. Cormorants are horrible right now. I don't At least know. Our Finger it's... Lakes aren't too bad right now, but the Great Lakes, for whatever reason, have the most cormorants. <laughs> kind of wild stuff. It's terrible. But I feel like we could talk about species we want to see relinquished off this planet. I should say, or is that right? Relinqu- relinquished? relinquished? Vanished? Vanished, yeah. Like sheephead. Either way. <laughs> Maybe yeah, Pike. Maybe. I'm going to go Pike. I'm gonna, some people are going to be mad about that, but I'm going to say Pike too. I don't know. Either way, uh, we can talk about that all the time. We have a fun show today because we're going to be talking about fishing, obviously. But we're talking about rod building. What it entails to to build a qual what is a quality rod? You, know, you hear that that term thrown around everywhere now. You know what goes into building a quality rod, and then you know there's a lot of folks that ask us, you know, slide in the DMs or they comment or whatever it might be. They reach out to us asking, you know, what's the best rod for this? Uh, and some of them may not understand what they're looking at when they see a seven six heavy moderate fast. They don't understand what that means. Um, so we're going to be talking about that, kind of explaining what that means and who better than our, our pal, Mr. Jake Boomer from Alpha Angler to uh, help us talk about exactly that. What's going on, dude? Not much. How are you guys? Can't complain. I, I am actually jealous of the sight Andy got to see today of cormorants falling from the sky. I don't know about you guys out there. But <laughs> Should make a song about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm an avid waterfowler, so that's the thing that it, they always come in a little bit too close. And you're like, you guys have too much confidence. Like, yeah. you know, you're federally protected. This is yeah. like, I Bunch can't believe there's, the, yeah, there's like six of us with guns and you're going to just burn right by, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, they just swim right by flipping you guys. Like, like almost an arm's length away. Like I dare you. <laughs> uh, yeah. You're not allowed to shoot us. And they swear in circles. Uh. That would have been awesome. I too uh, want to I, comment on uh, the V-neck because it's pretty dope. I, I believe you used the term "Andy's bringing sexy back." Is he is. Don't <laughs> so tell my wife that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although she's a huge JT fan, so she might enjoy that. There you go. We're just yeah. helping you out, Andy. Yeah, We're just getting your brownie points. I, I, I will <laughs> let her know that the boys said I'm bringing sexy back, and she's like, "Huh?" That's right. Yeah. We're having we, we a. Wanted... We want to know the answer. We want to know her response after she in the next show. Yeah, I'll I'll ask her and I'll let you know on the next fancy fishing show. All right, I bet if she said if you said the boys said the V neck is a good idea, she'd probably be great with it. And but she said, hey, some girl at at Tim Hortons today said the V neck was good. You'll never be wearing V necks ever again. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Turtlenecks. Turtlenecks. Cover it all up. Well, Boomer, uh, before we, you know, dive into rod building and all that jazz, have you been fishing much lately? I got to go uh, last weekend. The kind of fun. Uh, my wife and I have been married for 20 years. 
Congrats. And she wanted to go to the lake and go fishing for a couple of days. So we went to a cool little lake in Montana and caught the fire out of the smallmouth. It was awesome. That's how we actually have some really good footage of that too. It was kind of dumb. Like uh, we were catching smallmouth so good. We're like, we got to find a camera because we have the new 76 or our new rod that we released. We're like, we got to find a camera. So I'm tearing my boat apart looking for a camera. And I was like, man, I'm looking for a camera. <laughs> I'm supposed to be just hanging out with my wife. You know what I mean? But it was such good fishing. So I, I did get one good day in there. And it's Montana, but, some of the most beautiful country I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, it's heaven, dude. The place, the lake that we go to up north, it's northeast or northwest Montana. Your cell phones don't work. Like Even better. It, it, oh, dude. Except for the fact that my wife wants to find out how the girls are doing, right? They're, they're oh, going yeah. two different directions and she freaks out. But other than that, yeah, it's heaven. You go back 10 years in time. I mean, you cross the border. You go back 10 years in time. Like all the cars are 10 years older. Everybody moves a little slower. It's like what life was like 10 years ago. It's cool. It's kind of, I mean, obviously I, I can't relate to, you know, wondering what the kids are doing, but uh, it's probably a nice breath of fresh air to an extent, not having service. I, I love when my phone doesn't work. And as long as my fiance knows I'm good, then I don't have anybody checking up on me. <laughs> and it means work can't contact yeah. me. I do. I feel bad though. Like a lot of people are like, man, you know, Boomer doesn't call me anymore. Like I had a friend come over tonight to grab a rod out of the, um, anyways. And he's like, yeah, he tells my wife while I was, I was in the back and he sees on his way up. Yeah. He just, he never, he never calls or texts anymore. <laughs> I was like, it's not cause I don't want to talk to you guys. It's just, I think there's three people in the country that don't have my phone number right now. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Always ringing. It's a good, it's a good problem to have. Not That's right. Uh, speaking of that, I mean, good problem to have. Alpha's doing great. T- uh, tell me quick about the 76er. You brought it up earlier. Uh, it's a cool ride. It's like uh, I feel a very – I feel the, I'm the most impressed on this rod that we came out with. It's a seven-and-a-half-foot spinning rod. Like impressed is in like I'm holding it and going, man, I, and fishing with it going like I really like this rod. And I didn't design it. A couple of our pro staff guys did. A couple – a couple guys that are avid anglers that, you know, give us a lot of really good feedback. And uh, I don't know, it all came together, this kind of this conglomerate design. And so we built it, I think about a year and a half ago. So it's a seven and a half foot spinning rod, which I always think with spinning rods that if you get so long, there's really no point because braid allows you to cast so far and you just don't need a big, long spinning rod. If you could do it with a if, – if you need if you need a big, long spinning rod, just grab a bait caster is what I've always thought. But mm-hmm. – it's a freaking blast to fish. It's it's got a a lighter tip than our other big long spinning rod that we made for throwing flukes on the on like uh, for smallmouth, but it's a little bit softer tip. It has a lot of horsepower, but it's like it's light. And and I almost almost want to say that that happened on accident. Like I, we didn't set out to make it a light feeling rod in your hand. It just happened. But it's a blast. It's uh, I mean I've got some cool footage that's going to come out when we get a few more of them in stock. But mm-hmm. it's pretty nice. You can throw a four-inch Senko like a mile. It's so fun. That's Especially awesome. like all the smallmouth that are shallow right now where we're at. It's just fun. You just throw it out there and just watch your line jump. It's pretty fun. Yeah, your line just starts shooting at this. There's something satisfying about that when you, you're just like dead slick, you know, dead stick in a Senko or whatever. And you just watch your line just start shooting out. All you got to do is just lift. <laughs> just lift pullback, yeah. yeah. Especially smallmouth, too. They hook themselves. Yeah, it's, it's funny. There's a we'll have it uh, in some of the footage, but uh, my wife's like, "Well, you need to talk about it a little bit more." So she's holding the camera, and so I, I said, "You know, a spinning rod that can thrill this far." The problem I have with spinning rods that are long is usually 
they're soft enough you can throw a mile, but you can't actually hook a fish and land it, right? Like, or even feel the bite that far out. Like, so I've never been a big fan of it. Um, but I actually, there's like this stump and it was, we measured it as 120 feet away and I throw this four inch sank out and it lands next to it. I'm talking about, you know, hey, you could cast it that far, but does it mean anything? And as I'm talking, I get a bite. Like you can't, that's like, like there's like a scuba diver down there hooked a fish on, like you can't pay for that. I'm like, I got a bite. Can you believe that? That's uh, awesome. But it's, yeah, it's pretty fun. It's Thank fun you, when man. it works out like that. No, for sure. And I guess it's a, that, that's a great segue into what we're going to be talking about in regards to like what goes into building a rod. So you, you mentioned there's a conglomerate of anglers that, you know, you kind of use as your group think, if you will, to put together details and, and feedback of what to improve. But like from step one, I mean, wh- what was what was the foundation of even building this rod? I'm sure it's somebody coming to you with an idea, uh, but kind of walk us through like the early steps of even, you know, building it up to a, like trying to build a prototype, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, it's always somebody. I mean, Andy's a great example. Uh, guys that we talk to, you talk it all the time. The one thing that evolves in fishing that I think is amazing is uh, everybody wants the new technique and they want to keep it quiet. Mm. So they come up with something and, uh, you know, distance is a big deal. How far can I throw it? Length is a big deal. And so this one started out, I think it started out with like the float and fly. I think a guy was looking for a rod that was universal enough to throw a float and fly, but he didn't want a rod that was so light that that's the only thing you could do with it. I think that's where it started. And uh, this rod can throw a float and fly because I've talked to a few different professional anglers where they don't mind a little stiffer rod for the float and fly because you could always back the drag off. But then the, the rod's still universal enough that when that technique isn't going or you go to a different lake, you could still have a long rod. Um, and so we wanted to be able to throw something kind of light. So we started there. The wrench can throw lighter stuff. And so we knew it needed to have the tip of the wrench, which is uh, a really popular seven-foot rod. Um, and you kind of work backwards, you know. A lot of times um, when we order our blanks, I and our blank is like the, the graphite, you know, the mm-hmm. we, when you say blank, the blank is the – it's just the raw graphite. I can order it in different sizes. I can get it like eight feet or nine feet long and I can take out the chunks that will do the best. So sometimes they're really. Did I I fall apart on you guys? No, that was totally me trying to mute myself for a second. And I I removed you from the screen. (laughs) That's all right. I was worried about my internet. He said enough. (laughs) Sorry, carry on. (laughs) You know, that's the most boring podcast ever. <laughs> Sorry about that. Canceled. Yeah. Fat finger. So, any, so anyways, we started that with the, uh, you know, so you get like five or six prototypes going. And then what I like to do is I like to put guides on them and just go out and t- cast them in the yard. And I, it's got to look like really funny to like the neighbors because I don't have a normal life, right? I don't like, I don't go to work with everybody. I'm the guy that's holding the five pound chorky waving at my kids as they drive to school. And everyone's like, Oh, look at that freeloader. His wife. (laughs) (laughs) And then like two hours later, I'll be in my same outfit outside casting spinning rods in the yard. You know what I mean? Like, and we have like measurements in the grass for how far you cast. Like I'm Oh yeah. I can throw that 142 feet. You know? Anyways, I'm that weird neighbor. (laughs) <laughs> like, honey, so, uh, he's casting again. <laughs> he he doesn't create a golf green in his backyard. He creates a casting green. So yeah, 
I gotta be. I, my neighbor's gotta be like, look at this guy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> look at him now. He's in his flip flops. Like, must be nice to have a sugar mama. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, is that why you want? You're never invited to block parties. <laughs> yeah, no, no, they think I'm weird. He's out there. Uh, he's out there fishing again. So, anyways, uh, once we got the blank, I think down, and we messed with the guides. I mean, you play with everything. the The funny thing is, is every group of people that we that we talk to. Everybody has an opinion about everything, and you can kind of – the cool thing about fishermen is they're always fishing, so they're testing stuff. Like a big deal lately has been uh, braid, right? Braid's been a big – like mm-hmm. um, how well you can cast certain kinds of braid and uh, what braid not. So that, that's all evolving, and so we always plan with that kind of stuff. So that's how the 76er came around. Came out with a little bit different guide train because we came up with a term called braid drag. Does that make sense to anybody? Because you imagine what you think braid drag is. Is it where the knot's hitting the guides on the way out and slows down the line speed or causes the loop a little bit wider? Yeah, I think think the knot's important too, but it's mostly just like the lower carry or the higher carry account braids have less braid drag than the lower carry accounts Mm. because they're a softer, they're coated and they're softer. Certain guides actually have less braid drag. And so we found one that's really cool, like cast braid really well so anyways it's like smoother essentially to let line yeah it's a a little bit bigger guide it's a little bit stiffer so it doesn't flex and uh yeah that's that kind of nerd stuff geek stuff yeah Yeah. that's what we're trying to dig out tonight so don't feel don't hold back feel make feel feel free to let make us feel stupid because this is the kind of stuff we're trying to to learn about yeah so that's how the, the 76er came about. And I'll be really honest with you guys. I didn't really care about it. Like, it was like, cool. You guys want a rod? Definitely uh, other rods that have been developed by, and I mean, like you guys that fish all the time, right? Your feedback's important. I've been like, cool. And we've made it and I don't, I don't really need it. Right. We make a, enough rods for the way I like to fish. Uh, but this one, it's like, I kind of like, wow, this is freaking cool. Like, I really like it. It's fun. Like I, that whole day I fished with my wife. We, I think we caught, 40 or 50 smallmouth. I never picked up another rod. This is a blast to beat them up on it. But So what does it look like from the moment you make your first prototype to the moment you put it, you know, up for sale on the site? Like I'm sure though the different time lengths from, you know, prototype to publish is, is different pending the rod and how many renditions you need to go through. But like, what does that step-by-step process kind of look like from your, from your point of view? Just imagine me and Brandon in a wrestling match. Like he, I got him in a headlock and then he comes around with one of his weird little wrestling moves and he, you know, and then he grabs me and then we call each other names. We don't like each other. That's what it looks like. He's, he's always got some idea. Like I say, Hey, what do you think about this? Well, I don't like that because of this. I mean, like just imagine like a fist fight. That's what it looks like. (laughs) (laughs) And it's usually an argument with somebody like sook up on jerk baits, man. We've been trying to come up. We just want to push the edge on jerkbait fishing. And I actually sent one to Andy last week, a newer blank we've been working on. And uh, it's like talking to Sipco. He's like, the slasher's perfect. And you look at it and you're like, I know. I know you think that. But if, say, we were to change, the slasher's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Joe. I get it. <laughs> say, say I was trying to change somebody else's jerkbait rod. 
What would you change? It's it's perfect. perfect. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. If Suka was looking down at me and told me the perfect, I'd be like, okay, good. We're good. (laughs) He's either going to hug me or squeeze the life out of me. (laughs) Or both at the same time. At the same time, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, there's a lot of that. We mess around. Obviously, we've got a couple ways that we do things that have been successful, so we'll apply Mm -hmm. those to other into prototype rods. Right. Um, but yeah, you're, you always, you have to keep pushing because I promise you fishermen are not stopping with their fate. Like if that was the case, we'd all just throw Senkos, right? Everybody's looking for the next best way to catch a bass. And so you better keep doing that with your rod fishing. So like prototyping, sometimes you nail it. I'll tell you the one we nailed was the spy bait. We only ever did one of those. Like, oh really? So there's that no came out. Feet? Yeah. Wow. The, I, I, it was the one I handed to brand. I said, what do you think about this? And it was done. It hit the market, and it just hasn't stopped since. Uh, yeah, that's my favorite rod. Yeah, we can. I can tell everybody from the Northeast is like that. Andy Full, he likes that. What's this? The hair spy rod or whatever. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if there's a day goes by where Andy doesn't talk about that dang rod. <laughs> it's yeah. it's and I you know what and it was like it was the one time and then the wrench took a year and a half. I think I bet it took longer than that to make oh, wow. that one work right. So whatever it takes to get it to the point where it does that, it works right. I'll tell you what. I wish I had a good answer. Uh, I'll tell you what. Total sidebar, but I, I got gypped. I got gypped out of Andy's big fish competition uh, in his boat. It's messed up, man. There was a fine print. <laughs> <I heard. laughs> you can't be an employee. Is that what it was? No, can't be an employee, but he didn't even use the spy bait rod. He had to use his own rod. So Andy has the thing where it's like if you the client that catches the biggest fish on his boat, obviously he's using all alphas. Like whatever rod he's using, he he wins that rod that they they caught him they caught it on. And I'm like, well, I caught the biggest one in your boat so far, but I was using an Abu rod. I was like, are you buying me an Abu? Is that what you're saying? I had to specifically mention in my post that you did not qualify because you did not. (laughs) (laughs) It was the fine print. Jerks. (laughs) Jerks. <laughs> it's like, That's do I get awesome. the alpha of my choosing now? <laughs> no. <Eat the> <laughs> Sorry, Bailey. <laughs> That's awesome. Alpha. We'll have Alpha buy you an Abu and mail it to you. <laughs> an Alpha tube. <laughs> But what is uh, this? That's funny. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> hey, boom, it's really awkward, but like you got to go buy a student abbey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That would be awkward. Yeah, it'd be very awkward. That's pretty cool, though. It sounds like you're smashing them up there. Yeah, it's not bad. Like every day is a little bit different, but it's not bad. We're, we're truly uh, putting some spy bait rods to the test. So, Let's get yeah. It's the bite, though. We, we, talk, we talked about Slasher earlier. Uh, Slasher easily is my favorite jerkbait rod I've ever used, and Andy literally gets to use it every dang day because that jerkbait bite that's going on on Erie is the dumbest jerkbait bite I think I've ever been a part of. Yeah, when and it's it, going. Yeah, but it's the other thing I've used the Slasher for a ton this year is actually blade ripping in like forty foot of water. And really? It incredibly, yes. Like straight up and down underneath the trolling motor, watching them on Mega Live. Oh, that's and, cool. I don't lose a fish with it. Yeah. Don't lose a fish with the slasher when I'm ripping a blade vertically. Hmm. I worked with um, Sukup on a spooning rod, but the Oklahoma spooning is different than like (laughs) Oklahoma spooning. That's not very good. Uh, (laughs) Throwing a spoon. Oklahoma Oklahoma guys do. (laughs) 
Um, so he has a very specific rod, and he didn't like the slasher for it. He <laughs> wanted a shorter version of it, and we've been playing around with it, but it's such a – it's not like something that I can uh, test. You know what I mean? We just don't – I don't do, we don't do that up here. So, right. But, yeah, he thought the slasher was too long for that, but I can see with, like, a blade bait for small mile, you're going to want to move a ton of line the way they eat. Yeah. So, anyways. Yeah, catch them. Yeah. So, yeah. when I throw, like, a hammered spoon in the fall, I actually use the clutch. Right. Tailspin when I have to cast a tailspin, I use a clutch. Yeah, Yeah, the clutch. Yep. I think this is a clutch. Yeah, clutch. I think that's probably my favorite alpha rod. Won a lot of money on that rod, Boomer. A lot of money for me, I should say. For me. Not a lot of money, but for me. (laughs) I, uh, another accident. Um, clutch is a severe accident. Um, it's not made on a bass blank. Like if you, if you were to go, and like I get emails all the time now that we have a company like uh, emails from factories in China all the time. Hey, we make fishing rods. We would love to make your fishing rods. And, and then they send you a list of all the stuff you have to choose from, which is crazy to me. <clears throat> but uh, but a lot of the times the way that people thought about bass rods, I think, um, kind of put them in a bucket or in like a, you know, you, this is a seven, three medium heavy and it should bend like this and have a butt section this wide, all that stuff. Um but we found this particular clutch blank in a salmon steelhead line years ago. Another accident, but it was it's a pretty cool blank. It's not a bass, you know, you wouldn't find it in a bass catalog in any other rod. Hmm. And and at first you're like, man, it's kind of weird. It's kind of goofy, but it's like I said, a lot of people call it their favorite. I love it for uh like at the Delta, we were flipping drop shots. They call it bubba shotting or whatever. It has an oddly amount of great power. Uh, to finesse ratio or doesn't break those hook sets. Yeah. Especially like when you have that, like the Delta. Yeah. yeah. For sure. I, I think the clutch is my favorite rod for like 10 or 12 pound fluoro and just literally cracking a tube for small. Really? Yeah. It, it's a good one for that as well. Cause they yeah, get it. Saw... You just hit them and you keep reeling and then, then there's no stop. They just come. Yeah. <laughs> They, uh, some guy did a review and he was throwing eight pound test on it and not breaking it. Like a BFS I saw it on YouTube the other day. Yeah, I don't, I mean, eight pound. He's like, I, I can hit him with the Kitec with eight pound and not break it. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. It has a, like, if you ever got to talking about tapers, it has a very, I mean, if I got into tapers, you guys would probably turn me off, but like, go. no, no more. Tapers. This is a uh, nerding out episode, Boomer. You're allowed to get, I can nerd out. Um, so it just, the clutch has like, a okay. So back in the day when Gary, and and I think it was probably Gary Loomis was Gary Loomis and the llama gloss and all those guys back in the day when they coined the phrase extra fast, right? That's where the tip bends a whole bunch before you actually pull into the blank. That's extra fast. When you pull on the tip and the whole rod starts to give a little bit, that's a little bit slower than extra fast. And then you go to fast. It, you know, and then if you pull on the tip and it starts bending at the handle pretty early in that energy that you're pulling on, that's like a moderate fast, like a crankbait rod, right? You want that whole thing to bend and load up. So back in the day, when I first started bass fishing, the G Loomis 843 uh, Jig Worm Rod, IMX, yeah, IMX, that was like the staple for bass fishermen. That was called uh, medium heavy extra fast. So uh, I think a lot of people thought that that's what extra fast would be, but there's no like industry measurement for what extra fast is. You don't like 
there's not a chart that says for every one foot, an extra fast rod should bend this much. It's pretty much just, you just slap it on there and that's what you call it. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'll tell you a funny story. So I found G- Gary Loomis's son is Brad Loomis. And he was a composites genius that came up under his dad and he makes blanks and stuff like that. And when he started educating me on these differences, he had an old 843 in his office. The original G Loomis, the staple of blanks. And, uh, and this was right before we went national with Alpha and I, we started messing with it. It's not even like it was, it was called extra fast, right? We started bending it. If you compared it to today's extra fast, you'd call it like a mod slow. <laughs> like it was not an extra fast. Like what we think extra fast is it wasn't. And back then that was a staple for bass fishing. So that like the light came on because I remember that rod was back in the original form. It was amazing. You never lost fish. You know, you could pick it up and flip it too, but then you, you, there'd be a guy in this boat next to you, the exact same rod, throwing a spinnerbait on it. It just had a really uh, successful characteristic in landing fish. And that's when I got into that. You know, there's something about a little bit slower action, but, you know, not giving up the power that you need, right? The clutch is like that. It has a kind of a crazy taper to it in that it's it's definitely not extra fast. It'll bend all the way into the rod, but because it's lower uh, I'm sorry. It's since it's low, less power, it bends really evenly, but that bend all has energy in it. If you imagine, right? Like something bowed up like a bow and arrow, the more you pull, the bend comes back. There's a lot of power in that energy, but it's a lot of flexible power. So when they're pulling and digging, they've got a lot of bounce, right? It's like, uh, that's what that slower action I think does. And I don't think it lets a fish get ahead of you and pull a hook out. Mm. So anyways, the difference between the, like the, the fast and extra fast. There's no math to that. Like there's no, if, if I came out and said it was an extra fast and the thing bent down to the handle, there's, I wouldn't have a measurement that I was being compared against. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah definitely. So, but bass rods and all fishing rods are all made the exact same way. But like Brad Loomis, I'll never forget this. I introduced uh, Brandon Polinick, who's just a total nerd about this stuff to this Brad Loomis guy. And Brad Loomis does not care about bass. He doesn't care about fish. He could care less, but he's this genius rod maker. And he always curses us out. When we start talking about spinner baits and extra fast, and we actually add the technique to the rod. He's like, you dumb beep beep. That's just a tapered stick that bends. That's what he tells us. No matter what we say, listen, it's a tapered stick and it bends. And that math in his head. So that actually opened our eyes like, we should go look at like saltwater blanks and see how you could create, you know, for a while there we were making swim bait rods out of saltwater blanks because you can't break them. Right. Mm-hmm. It is. It's just a tapered stick that bends. So I probably went on a big old huge rant on that. It made no sense. Oh, it made perfect sense. Anyway, it's so a tapered stick that bends. That's how it's a tapered stick that bends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love it. Cause we'll get into the, the moduluses and all of this stuff about all blah, blah. And he'll just get mad. It's a tapered stick that bends. It's a tapered stick that bends. Look, here's something I visited a few years ago, and I'm an engineer, so I love these comparisons. But he was able to set up uh, like a what we consider sensitivity in a bass or in a fishing rod is what you feel, right? It's vibration, how well that vibration translates down the rod. So something that's stiffer is obviously going to translate the vibration. the, the you know the amplitude or more vibration down the rod so just imagine dragging a piece of rebar down the street every little piece of asphalt you bounce over you feel that in your hand 100 there's no loss in that vibration to your hand 
Well, that's what fission rods are. The stiffer the graphite, the more you transmit that vibration down the rod. Well, we all for years wanted IMX or GLX or NRX or whatever, whatever coined term, 2 billion ton graphite because the stiffer the graphite, the better we're going to feel the bite. Well, uh, Brad Loomis actually did this test between the graph or the fiberglass that we use in our cranking rods and the the graphite we use in our bass rods and the difference in the vibration loss between a seven foot chunk of the similar materials or dissimilar materials was 8%. Hmm. So like fiberglass, the fiberglass we use in the rebound only loses 8% of its like, listen, can you tell an 8% loss in a bite, a bass bite? Most of the time, you know, like, you know, your bit, right. Yeah. Or rock or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. but so like everybody think, well, fiberglass is so dull. But it's actually not. It actually transmits the vibration. Like you should feel it. It should be just as sensitive as the graphite. The reason you don't use fiberglass in a lot of your bait casting or flipping and pitching is because it takes so much more fiberglass for the rod to be stiff enough to actually set the hook and pull them out of cover. That's why fiberglass generally stays with moving baits because it's open water. You know what I mean? Otherwise, you'd have a fiberglass rod. It could be almost as sensitive and never break, but it would be too too freaking heavy to use all day it'd be too tip heavy so it'd be like four pounds just all day long yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna out the whole fishing rod world are you ready oh i just did it all of the imx modulus all of that stuff it's just marketing stickers i hate to say it damn i, to, I can't believe i did that i just oh. screwed myself <laughs> no, now I can't put some like big sticker on here that says super duper califrigeous elastic uh million modules duper duper on there, and you'd be like, Ooh, gotta have that. <laughs> I am 80, that's the best. <laughs> I think you should you say- gotta add that sticker now. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like an April Fool's post. You just slap a custom sticker out there that says exactly what you just said. <laughs> I don't even know if I could say it, but I that was the biggest <laughs> revelation for us. Uh, when we started really designing rods was uh, the material does matter, but um, probably to me more of uh, what matters more, it would be balance and um, durability. Like you can't catch fish on a broken rod, right? I mean, it's a very good point. Yeah. How was that for nerd now? You guys are like, we should have never let him go. <laughs> well, nerd. folks, uh, thank you guys for, for joining. Uh, we'll talk to you. If you haven't left yet, no, just <laughs> No, dude, that yeah. that's exactly what we wanted to talk about because we felt you're you're perfect suited to talk about it, this exact thing. We wanted you to nerd out in this episode. So oh, sweet, the six viewers that watch this all the way through. That's right, <laughs> six. <laughs> Holy shit, that's a lot. <laughs> to the moon, boys. That's right. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Two are my parents, so we're down to four. <laughs> no, no, no. Everybody, all your fans will watch it. They'll get about six minutes in, and they'll be like, what is this dude talking about? Out they go. <laughs> I think you'll find a lot of people are very curious about this, but it's one of those things I think in fishing is, is like what you all just walk through is not talked about enough because there's not an understanding of how it works. Because like, I think if you go and you get 10 anglers, from different regions of the country and you give them a, a medium heavy fast, but you don't have the label on it. They're going to tell you something, probably something different, you know, of what that, what they think that action might be or what application they use for it. And I think that's the cool one. It's the cool part of fishing is there's so many people that are so diverse, but they'll still land the same fish with the same application, but they use something completely different. But 
no one really understands one how these rods are built. One, I mean, it reinforces the idea too that you know a lot of companies are trying to sell the angler, not you know focus on what actually catches fish. Um, but there's not a lot of understanding behind what goes into building the rod, understanding what rod you actually need for each technique and what is an extra fast and what's not an extra fast things of that nature. So I, I think, I think you'll find a lot, there'll be some really good reception for this episode. Uh, and selfishly from Andy and I both being extremely curious when it comes to this stuff, because Andy and I, ever since we Are met you? each other have gone back and forth and back and forth and back and forth on like rod specs for various techniques. We still do when it, especially when it comes to like chatterbaits. It's, one of those things that we talk about all the time. I eventually uh, got Bailey to stop using a flipping stick for chatterbaits. I was not using yeah. a flipping stick. <laughs> it was more like a football That's jig awesome. rod, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, I don't understand why I'm hooking them and their skin hooked on the outside and then they get to the boat and they come off. I'm like, because your rod's too stiff or it has too much power. <laughs> no, it was because the brand I was using was the real problem. <laughs> it could have been too, but yeah. Yeah, that, I don't think you'd ever make the perfect chatterbait rod either. I think that everybody's so different. I think that's a personality-based yeah. technique. I know I, I know that sounds dumb, but uh, the chatterbait's such a goofy lure that your personality will define the way you set the hook, the way you react. I just had a customer, a friend of mine, buy a chatterbound from me before we started this show. Swung by and grabbed it, and uh, he uses braid. He uses a braid main line with a floral leader on a chatterbound. Interesting. Like, and he's like, dude, my hookup ratios are amazing. This is it's perfect for me. And it's like the the thing that I would never do is exactly what he just said. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but he's winning derbies up here. He's a hammer fisherman. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that's a personality thing. Yeah, he's a super laid back dude. You know, he's like, oh, yeah, I don't even set the hook. Feel the bite, and I just say, get the net. And he just reels. And he, they're, hooked, <laughs> they're done. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't – I. Every time I get a bite, I backflip, you know, like, yes. I, I can't calm down. <laughs> that, I mean, that's such a, it sounds like a very similar debate to like top water guys that go either straight mono or straight uh, braid. And there's guys that go braid to like a 15 inch liter of mono. Like sounds like a very on par to that argument, yeah. but um, we're going to, let's dive in here in a second to like understanding what you're looking at when it comes to the rod. Uh, but Real fast, you have a very unique chatterbait when it comes to the whole blend of that rod, how that all works from graphite to composite. Uh, do you want yeah. to talk about that? That is, a, yeah, it's called our chatterbound. That is our only true, I think I have one. Oh, yeah. Uh, that is our only true extra fast that I would say in our lineup. And I don't know if you can actually show this on camera, but it is really like, uh, you see that? Yeah, I can see that. See how it bends. See how like so little of the rod is bending. That's mm -hmm. an extra fast. Like it is not pulling into this part of the blank. Uh, and that is that's a true extra fast. And how we created a true extra fast is we have a glass tip. First eighteen inches of that 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 part of the bent is actually fiberglass, and then it trans transitions into composite. Uh, and it's a cool blank. Uh, I only think there's one or two companies that can make it well. Um, one of ours is in Woodland, Washington. You probably know who they are. Um, but that was a that was a cool blank for moving baits because it allowed the bait as you're pulling the bait through the water, the bait could move around with the tip, give with the tip, and then 
once the bait is actually, when they bite it, you get a lot of horsepower behind it. A guy like me, you know, a type A hyper uh, type guy that sets the hook hard. I have a hard time catching fish with chatterbait fish with this because I mm. set the hook too fast. And that fast tip, what happens on a fat when you have an extra fast tip is it transitions to power really fast, right? The tip gives on the hook set and all you have is this, you've got six feet of horsepower. And when you pull hard like that, that's when you get the blade and the chatterbait to come up, right? Or, or you tear a hole in their mouth. Uh, but then you get a guy like the, uh, my buddy Andy that just bought one. When he sets the hook, he just it's just he doesn't set the hook, and so the rod does all of the work. So that's the difference. Um, this is probably our best seller because the way they design this rod, it's super light, but mm. it is the ultimate moving bait rod. So if I'm in like a cold water chatterbait scenario, I won't use it because I set the hook too hard. But this is the ultimate spinnerbait rod. So if you imagine the bait coming through the water, that tip gives as it's bouncing off cover and that rod kind of allows it. And there's a slight delay when they come from behind and eat it, that tip gives. You know what I mean? You won't get that in like a fast action because the tip will try to go, but then the rest of the rod will be pulling down with it. You'll get a less of that, you know, you know what I mean? Mm. This tip will just, it just folds over before you get to power. So you get that little split second and you get the bait farther in the mouth. So that's that's our I bet you that's our only real true extra fast in our whole lineup. I think we call our spy bait an extra fast, and it might also be what industry standard would consider extra fast. But I think yeah. the one thing it in, says in the, fast on it, by the way, on the spy bait rod. <laughs> I have it sitting right here. <laughs> <laughs> Andy probably sleeps with that thing at night. You kidding me? It's replaced Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome thank you Andy I got you uh, <laughs> I think one of the things that's really cool that you do and I know like a Dobbins does it too and I think that is is genius especially for your entry level folks lower on that learning curve when it comes to buying rods is literally especially on your website um, like when they're going to buy it literally says like what this rod is designed for from, from a popular technique standpoint and obviously it's not limited to that, but it like it gives the great people a point where like I don't know what to throw for a football jig, and they're browsing around and they see like all these thousand YouTube videos telling them to throw five hundred different things, but they go and they're looking at alpha angler and they see oh football jigs, like they see the rod that they want to get, or they look and see I want to throw top water, what should you know, and it's right there. It can kind of be like an easy resource for people to make one the shopping experience for it a little less. Uh, you know, overwhelming for them because there's so many dang brands out there. It's hard to you know cipher through. Yeah. I think that's really helped the fishing industry too, is being able to like, I mean, back in the day, like when we were buying G Loomis's or whatever, when I first started fishing, you had like this huge plethora of rods, the seven, one medium heavy, seven, two medium heavy. And like, it just, it felt like it was somewhat overwhelming. Right. So you kind of had to buy a few to decide what you wanted um, but a lot of companies and us included, when we build our rods, we generally start at the technique and work backwards. So mm. like, unfortunately it's burned us like the spy bait rod, right? That rod was developed to throw spy baits. Cause there was that big craze for spy baits and has, there's probably isn't a bait that kind of has fallen off more than the spy bait for, for the amount of craze it had at first versus what you use now. Do you agree? Yeah. I would like, say like yeah. the, uh, it gets a little bit popular when like bass or MLF goes to St. Lawrence river. And then unless you're out West, I feel like people don't throw it. <laughs> no. Yeah. I have like a two week period where I throw it in June and that's about it. 
There was a guy uh, in that tournament of champions I fished on Cattle Lake in Louisiana, like the Cypress Tree Lake that threw it in, in November. And I was like, I didn't even think to bring my damn spy baits down here, like let alone throw them in this muddy chocolate milk. I like bravo. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so we named it the spy bait rod and the technique, but the characteristics of the way that bait comes through the water and the way your rod should react if you get a bite or what, or how you throw it or all that stuff were similar. But by then we'd already called it the spy bait rod. So we and calling it the finesse rod seems a little bit. It's just she had to be named that. I think it makes more but, sense. Yeah, yeah like, it is what it's designed for, but not limited to, you know? Yeah. The cool thing about it is it'll throw hair jig. You know what I mean? That's a technique that's kind of really picking up. And um, some guys swear it's the best drop shot rod, even though we have a drop shot rod. So it's really uh, super angler dependent. Like no matter what somebody tells you, one thing that I have learned is if somebody, if Brandon Polinick gets on a video and tells you that you need this, and this is how you're going to do it. And you go out on two or three trips, you're losing the fish you're catching on that setup. <laughs> Change it. You know what I mean? Like you're not doing anything wrong. You are your own fisherman. You know what I mean? You are the, your fish. You're probably fishing for a different, like change it till the point that when you hook something, you put it in the boat. That's the way you should devolve in my, your system. You know what I mean? So you yeah, hooks fish differently and fights them differently too. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, buddy gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no funny to fish. It's just, just point straight. and real. <laughs> I, I don't it. know. I don't know how he doesn't lose more fish. Like that guy just he straight at him. I'm like, come on! Like <laughs> you can't ever tell he's got a big one on because he's just like playing it like he's just reeling his bait in. Still, it's like, bro, do you not realize you have a fish on? Like <laughs> the path of least resistance, I guess. That's right. Taken. Yeah. Hey, it works for. We've talked about him on the show about it before. Yeah. Hey, it works. I mean, his track record's so amazing, especially yeah. in TVA lakes. And yeah. He, he obviously is doing it because it's made him some money. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. There's no kidding. Um, oh, where are we just going to go on this? Oh, uh, so to, to your point, like there's, there's people that talk about, they're like, ah, I think I need to, you know, stop setting this way and work on setting the hook this way. Or, you know, like when you talk about, especially when you talk about like fish, like frog fish or something where you got to like wait a second type of deal. Like people talk about that, but like people trying to morph their style to a rod, you're saying, do not do that. Morph the rod to your style of fishing. Which I, I think. I think the most important thing, and we really are, we're actually putting it in our marketing now, is when you get a bite, does it come in the boat? Because you know what I mean? You can't take a picture on Facebook. You can't take it to weigh in. You can't win money. You know what I mean? You can't sign autographs and you can't go to the classic if you don't actually put them in the boat. So, yeah, if whatever you're doing, obviously you could do it wrong. Andy made a good point in the lat, one of the interviews I did with him not too long ago about football hits. Like, uh, you know, obviously you don't slack line hit fish, right? You reel down to your field pressure, that kind of stuff. Um, your rod can help with that. If if uh, it's really hard to explain without like a graph, but one thing I've noticed with um, if you're trying to improve your hook setting, and I watch this with the guys that are really good, like I traveled with Bryant Smith, who's an elite now, and uh, his hook sets are amazing, but they're tapered to his situation. But its pressure over time is way better than that really sharp impact. Mm. Does that make sense? Like. Mm really wanting to blast a fish hard and really drive that hook. Today's hooks are so good. Today's everything is so good um, that your taper of your rod, 
which we have tended to go away from extra fast. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to take a firm pressure over a longer period of time to really drive that hook as far as you can and move the fish, but without being very sharp or acute. Cause I don't want it to, I don't want to bend the hook out and drag it down their mouth. Uh, taper can have a huge effect on that taper and power that also can be in your personality too. Right. So like a guy like me that tends to just blow up, like <laughs> go crazy and set the hook really hard, a rod that's a little bit slower in action will probably help me land more fish because I'll drive the hook. Right. Mm. I will, I will not have that spike in pressure where you're just, it's just an explosion dragging a hook around. I'll actually let that hook kind of set and dig and then get into the, get in the flesh and catch more fish. Andy and I talked about that with football heads. I'm a huge believer in that now, especially like frog fishing. Some of the best frog fishermen, they really blast them. But uh, I think there's been kind of a tendency for people to go to a little bit softer frog rod in the last maybe 10 years. Back in the day, everybody was throwing a big flipping stick. But even like one of the most successful frog rods that I saw, like even 10, 15 years ago with that technology was an old G Loomis frog rod. And it was like extra fast, super extra, double extra heavy. It was like three telescoping long. Well, I got a hold of one of those a couple of weeks ago and it was soft compared to what we consider technology today. It was, it's really is a whole lot softer. Hmm. It just, it just didn't, it wasn't like today's super stiff rods. Right. Anyways, I think that, yeah, I think that, I think one thing that's happened is the enhancement of materials. We just get better stuff than we ever got before, better graphite, better, I mean, all that stuff. What used to be an extra heavy back in the day was not what it looks like now. So right. anyways, yeah, that's a super interesting deal. I can't, I can't imagine throwing a frog rod that isn't like a beef stick anymore. Like maybe it's just me, but like, like I had a, I had a rod, um, and it's a seven three heavy, and every fish was coming in the boat. The problem was I blew up the reel, and I was too like lazy to go swap reels on it. So I had a seven six medium heavy that had like fifty pound braid on it. Uh, no, I had 40 pound braid on it. And I started throwing a frog on that and I was losing every single fish. No way. It, it was weird. And I'm mean, like, I was still reeling down and jacking them, but like, I, I don't, I don't know. It was like an interesting thing. Like, I don't know if maybe it was a, hmm. uh, it yeah. just it reinforced like me, like my style. I think I need to have the broomstick the to, to put the beans yeah. to them. It's kind of like, um, Gerald Swindle doesn't throw to- or buzz baits anymore on braid. I fully yeah, he's a fluorocarbon guy, right? I believe. No, heavy mono. Hmm. Big heavy like mono. 17, right? 17 pound. Yeah. I, I Just, think he's I thought I thought he's fluorocarbon now. Oh. Okay, that's maybe. what I've gone to is 17, 17 or 15 pound fluoro with like a 7476 medium heavy. And that's I that's what I throw for buzz baits now, and I do not lose fish. Crazy. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a straight floral guy with buzz baits too, just because it has a tiny bit of stretch, but it's not going to rip it out of their mouth like braid will. But how do you yeah, keep the floral from sinking? Keep you your rod tip slightly up. <laughs> Instead of being almost straight at the bait, you go at like a 45 and have your rod tip up, and it's like a it's like a three quarters hook set. You know, like a three quarters pitcher that comes through. You almost like a high sweep hook set, and you just don't no yeah yeah and, and i think that's an evolution like five years ago if you said that you're going to use fluorocarbon on a buzz bait you'd get this huge argument right like uh it sinks <laughs> you're dumb <laughs> yeah <laughs> brain's better <laughs> yeah. what an idiot and i think that's <laughs> yeah. part of it though because like 
a lot of times when I'm buzzbait fishing, I'm I'm more close contact, like 40, 50, 60 feet at most. And I'm just, that line is never on the water, really. It's up and out. Oh, so, I got you. I don't know about long I, casts. If I'm making like 150 foot casts, I might use braid, but I don't, I'm, I'm almost always in cover with it or along a dock and I'm not making a super long cast. Gotcha. So um, I used, uh, um, I, I had to think about it. I did an event at uh, Grand Lake one time and you got no bites. Like it was so tough for me. I, I think I weighed a limit one of the three days of the event and I missed a check by a pound. Like I, it was hmm. tough fishing and I just covered massive flats in October, September or something like that with a buzz bait and I finally get a bite on a buzz bait. I'm like, yeah. And as I got it in the boat, it comes off and the trailer hooks bent out and I was throwing it on a chatterbound, which once again, it's extra fast. So it's going to go to immediate power, right? Yeah. Uh, the tip's going to give, it's going to go to immediate power. And I hit it like I do, like I've got a bite in an hour and a half, two hours. Right. And I boat flip it and I'm looking at it. I'm like, dude, I was so close to losing that fish. Makes you really think about, you know what I mean? Law of averages. You do that three times. You're going to lose it at least once. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely a way to think about the tapers of fishing rods. Not to go back to geeking out, but uh, yeah, your personality will define some of the stuff you should do. One hundred percent, I think so. Yeah. Now here, here's a question for some folks because I was uh, pretty intrigued um, by, but you see like a magnum medium heavy, but then you see just a medium heavy or a heavy. Like, what's the I, I feel like people will ask, what's the difference between a heavy and a magnum medium heavy? Like, is there anything you have on that? So, yeah, I do. Um, once again, in the rod industry, there's no like predetermined power radio ratio. I mean, you could actually do it. It'd be hard to do with action, but you could do with power. Like if you said I'm selling a medium heavy or a five power rod, you could say on a seven foot rod, it needs to deflect or bend uh, for, you know, whatever say one pound it needs to bend by a foot or it's not a medium heavy well they don't have that in act in that's not we're not regulated so we can say whatever we want and i think it's a way to say hey i added a little bit of power it's a little bit more than our medium heavy but maybe it's not i don't know that's the kind of thing that like when we do mag when we use the word mag it generally means that it's heavier than the one that we previously made so if we have a rebound we have the mag rebound it's just a more powerful version but there is really no math behind that and you really can't tell how much power any rod has until you actually get it in your hand. True. So one True. thing, uh, one theology that we got behind that I think would really help a lot of fishermen is, uh, and Brandon was one of the first ones to pioneer this, was you have like a 7.1 for this and a 7.2 for that. And everything is so super defined in the fishing rod industry in, in our in our sport that, you know, well, okay, for the buzz baits, I throw a 7.2, but for skipping jigs, I throw a 6.11. You know what I mean? And you get a different rod for everything. And when Brandon started with Alpha, he tried to do everything on a 7.3 medium heavy Zilla that he could, all of it. And the reason for that is, uh, and this is the one thing we learned, is um, a rod that's a little bit longer or a rod that's made on a different material or a rod that even has a different handle, like cork versus Eva, all of those rods are going to feel different when they get a bite on the same bait. It's just the nature of the way it is. The, the material, the rod is going to feel different when the bite happens. If it's the exact same bite over and over again, say a Senko, each rod will feel a little bit different. And Brandon got to the point where he's like, everything that I can throw on one rod, I call it the Rick Clun theory because Rick Clun wrote an article about it years ago. But everything that you can throw on one rod, the only thing that changes when you grab a different bait 
is the bait. So like if you feel every, if you're so used to the way your seven, three medium heavy feels when you get a bite, then you'll never have that question of, I wonder if that's a bite. Cause you're, you, you're, you, that rod is an extension of your arm, right? Mm-hmm. Like professional tennis players don't change rackets in the middle of matches. They don't change rackets over a course of a decade. You know what I mean? Like golf golfers are the same way. I mean, they get away that their driver fits and they don't mess with much of that. I feel like that's the same way with uh, fishing rods. So a lot of times I feel like we line the decks with all of these very specific things, but what we rob from ourselves is that repeatability, the bite you get, you feel it, you know it. Most baits, most rod, most like most baits in bass fishing all fit within 75% of rods in my opinion. Like for instance, three eighths to three quarter can be one rod for 90% of what you do or 75% of what you do. Right. Jig, mm-hmm. Texas rig, Sanko, they all weigh about the same. They all are on about the same size line. If you could stay with the same rod or very similar rod, you're going to be more successful in knowing when that bait is now in the mouth of a fish <laughs> or over rock or in grass okay. or has a blade of grass on it. So anyways, yeah, that's one of the reasons we don't make a bunch of different versions of everything. Uh, just because we really believe that if you can get really good at one, you're going to land more fish. You're going to catch more fish too. I would think that could be wrong. So that explains why I pretty much only use a spy bait rod for smallmouth fishing. <laughs> yes. Cause I, you, a- I do every single technique you can like possibly physically imagine finesse on that rod. So. Yeah. Do you like, do you like beat the dog with it too? Or like shuffle the kids to school, like push them out of the car with a spy bait rod, like it's an yeah. extension of your arm. Pretty much. Like I yeah. walk around with that thing, just like, you know, hitting things and <laughs> changing channels on the TV. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. And he's yeah. sitting there in his driver's seat, just, you know, steering the trolling motor with his rod. You can <laughs> touch any rod on this deck, but this one is mine. <laughs> this one is mine. <laughs> off limits. <laughs> I do have a rod that is on my deck that is off limits and it's only mine. It's a, uh, it is a spy bait rod, but it has a Vanford on it. It weighs like three ounces. And I'm like, you can use any rod you want. This one do not touch. <laughs> and they're like, okay. The Vanford. I don't know why. I just like how light it is. You should just put I prefer it, tape on the rod. <laughs> I should. If they could take Yellow. the Tula Drag and put it in the Vanford and put Daiwa on it, I would use it all day. Because I like how light the Vanford is, but I'd prefer the Tula Drag system. So. Yeah. Iowa Spinning's got it dialed. Yeah. I just, yeah, I don't want to get into it, but you're right. The Vanford, <laughs> I've been buying Vanfords uh, because I like, anyways, but you're right that the one holdup is that drag. And oh. the Vanford's supposed to be the replacement for the CI4. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. But the CI, awesome. I wish I could take the drag out of the CI4 and stick it in the Vanford. Yeah, the thing I hate about the Vanford the most is, Every time you set the hook, the drag spins differently. You don't even touch it. It's just like, okay, now it's super loose. Now you got to tighten it up again. And then the next one's like, oh, it's too tight. And then you don't even loosen it at all. And you hit the next fish and it's like, and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> it just drives yeah. me nuts. I feel like everyone still uses the CI4s or they're looking for them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like oh, those old green Shimanos. Everyone's still fiending for them. Yeah, because Steve yeah. Kennedy's still whooping people with those things. <laughs> yeah. 1995 Kisslers. 
I got an old, I got an old, I got an old CI four, and I use a pair of pliers to bend the bail back straight. Sometimes <laughs> it's so beat up. <laughs> like, hold not, on. Oh, I use it every weekend. It's on my DSR. Yep. Hey, if it's good luck. It's good luck. Yeah. So here, here's a question for you. Um, mm-hmm. It's getting to be that time of year, at least for us in the north, that uh, a just a normal. You know, it's popular down south now. Obviously, I mean, I don't think you see a video of Polinick not throwing it or having one rigged up, and that's just a drop shot with with the whether it's a straight, you know, like a robo worm type of deal. Um, what's what spinning rod in your lineup are you rocking for when you're throwing that? So I, I'm a I like the heavier rods when I have a text post hook. So I use the wrench, like throwing it into grass. A lot of times mm-hmm. you get like a, a large mouth in the grass and I like a seven foot medium. It's our wrench. Um, I also, if I feel like I've got to get a hook out of a, uh, out of plastics cause it's not nose hooked, you know, I want a little bit heavier rod, but let me, but let me go back down that road that I was on earlier. Cause it's so angler dependent. You guys remember when Brandon won Santee Cooper a couple yep. years ago? Yep. Was it Santee Cooper or Seminole? Santee, I think. Uh, yeah. And, and remember like he, he fishes so good. Like he's just, he's never locked in anything and he goes, Oh, there's a brush pile. Well, he had his like spinning rod and it had a, a open nose hook, a six pound test from small tournament he did prior week or whatever. So he sat down, retied and put 10 pound test on it and put a Texas rigged hook on it and threw into that brush pile. And that's the eight pounder he caught the sealed that went. Remember that? Yeah, he threw a branch. drop shot. He yeah. brought half the tree with him back to the boat with yeah. the eight pounder. <laughs> that was a DSR, a rod that in my mind, I would really only use an open water for smallmouth. But mm. that's what he just did, like at um, Beeswax Creek when he just did that Lake tournament. All those fish that he caught off beds and with the drop shot was with the DSR seven. It's a six ten medium, fast action again. It's got a really. It doesn't have a super soft tip. It's got a real, uh, you know, almost moderate fast type tip. Not, um, anyways. And something I'd like to say about that. This will really help guys out about light tips. Let me. I'm, I'm going to digress because I think this is really important. An extra fast, super soft tip and a finesse rod. The problem with it is, is that we talked about vibration has to move down the rod so that you can feel it in your hand, right? Mm-hmm. You get to feel it here. It's got to go from the tip down through the rod. If that tip is really soft and then you get that bite or that vibration that that's that bite, that tip will absorb that and won't transfer it, right? Mm. So when Brandon designed the DSR, he was adamant that it was a stiffer tip drop shot rod. He felt you drove the hook better. He felt you had 10 times more sensitivity, all that stuff. And I, I was not a believer back then, but I, I mean, his track record with the DSR is insane. Uh, but for me in that scenario, I would have never thrown a DSR into that. I, I want more horsepower. You know what I mean? But yeah, that's why I, that's why I'm a <laughs> weekend warrior and he's the man, right? He's got that's, so that's much That's why you're the guy in the backyard casting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> In my flip flops. <laughs> yep. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I did. Uh, I sold a '76 or two a customer that does. He's a really good deep summertime grass fisherman. He came over. He always uses a ranch or whatever. And I showed him the '76 and he goes, "This is perfect for deep water drop shotting." And my thought is, why? Like, braid has so much. Braid has so much uh, takes away so many variables in bass fishing. You have so much more power with braid. You drive the hook better. And he's like, yeah, but just think about how much line you'll move, how much more you'll pull them up and out of the grass, how much more you can get over the top of them. And I was just wasn't thinking about it at first, but I'm like, yeah, if it's still sensitive enough. You feel the bite. Yeah. Why wouldn't you drop shot deep with the 76 or 
a seven and a half foot spinning rod. That would probably be the next spinning rod I want because I want to be able to cast a drop shot to smallmouth like 180 feet from the boat if I can make it cast that far. If you can cast 180 feet, I'll be impressed. Dude, I can. you can cast 180 feet. Anyone can cast 160 feet, 180 feet, no problem. Look at your forward facing. You flick a wrist and your bait goes 80 feet. You just have to double it on a normal cast. Maybe if you got a good wind. Maybe if you got a good wind. 80 feet is not that far. It's 80. I don't know, man. I got my forward facing at like 100 sometimes, and it's sometimes a struggle depending on the bait to get it out to 100. But I drop shot, I think you go like 120. I don't know about 180. I feel like that's a – if you got wind to your back and you're throwing like a half-ounce drop shot weight. I think I could do it. <laughs> I'm sure you could do it. You're gonna break off five times swinging nah. so dang hard. First. Nah, we got this. Let's have. Let's skip the tape measure out. Let's see. So I'll give let's you go an to backyard. Join him with this. Yeah, I'm flying. I'm flying in, Boomer. <laughs> yeah, we got a test set up. So this is gonna sound super dorky, but from my driveway to my neighbor's driveway is exactly 142 feet. Yeah. Like it's super dorky, right? <laughs> uh, when we were when we were developing the tack mag which was designed to throw flukes with a four-aught superline hook for smallmouth in clear water on the Columbia River. Uh, distance was a big deal. And we were working on guide train stuff. And like the creme de la creme was if you could consistently throw a fluke to my neighbor's driveway, 142 feet. The best setup we ever made, you could do it five out of ten times. Any, any, bit of bit, any little bit of wind, any little bit of anything, it would fall a little bit short. And every once in a while, you go across his driveway but like that's a long ways to cast. Like 140 feet, I think, is a long ways. Especially if like with your fish in the deep water. Imagine if you get out deep like that, and then it sinks. You put that big bow in your line. But so my my goal is always to can, can you efficiently hit 100 feet? You know, I don't. That's just. I know if you put a lead weight on the end of it, you're gonna go <laughs> a lead fluke. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna go. Or like a that. half ounce drop shot weight. Oh, it's yeah. going. Yeah. <laughs> Until you're out of line. Uh, I think <laughs> yeah. <it> could be. <laughs> I will tell you that we've done a lot of homework on guides recently, and I'm gonna. This, if you guys want to geek out a little bit more before you actually like turn me off, be like, oh, we're done with that nerd. Um. So last year I put a video out about all of the 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 line uh, braid line because I had a I have I have customers that are like, hey man, my knots and all of this kind of stuff are having a hard time going through guides. And so we went through this whole test period on, do we have their own guides? Why are they, why were they so good a couple of years ago and they're not good now? And there's been a lot of changes in uh, braid technology, right? You know, with this high carrier count braid, SX1, uh, TCB8 from P-Line. I mean, you guys probably name a bunch of it. Uh, uh, Smackdown, right? Mm -hmm. That's a braid that has a lot more line strands in it versus like the old Power Pro had four. It was braided four lines or eight or no i think it was four right four strands braided together that made your braid um we've been playing with that a lot and one thing that we found you can cast a lot farther with that lighter braid um and with the guides that we have this we use a a specific guide train designed to really tame that line so you can cast farther um but you have to start changing out that braid more often and i know a lot of people want to throw braid on a reel and be like oh done for the air it's it's doctored. But then when you start getting, you know, when you cast and that line comes off and the knot goes around the guide and it just, your bait falls in the water. That's actually a braid problem. We're pretty sure. 
Like it's mm-hmm. actually that high carrier count braid that we're so used to casting so far when the coating wears off of it. It's like a, you know, like, like little girls always braid each other's hair. And when they first do it, their hair is super tight. It's, you know what I mean? But then they start screwing around and wrestling and like four or five arrows later, their braid, their hair is a little bit more puffed out. That's what's actually happening to that braid when the, um, when the coating wears off. of it. And so now you just imagine the lines in your spool and it's a little bit more puffy. Well, if you have your knot go into that stuff, it's actually grabbing the line and pulling the line out with it. And that's, what's causing a lot of the casting issues. And we didn't know that. And I'm going to, I'm going to say it, you, I'm going to ostracize myself from the nerd world right now, but I'm going to say that the FG knot is no longer the best knot in bass fishing. Oh, uh, yeah, what I think is it though? I, I think it's a version of the Albright. I think that can't be beat right now. A version. What do you guys think? I just use an Alberto. Like, I, isn't I, the Albright and the Alberto the same thing? Yeah, I do. What with six pound, I do twelve down, twelve up, and then eight pound, it's ten down, ten up, and ten pound, it's eight down, eight up. And there's a way that you can get it wet and make it real elongated and still super strong and super thin, and it goes through your guy. It's like a dream, right? So it takes I me twenty two seconds to tie, like yeah. I think the Alberto or Albright, I think they're the same. So we just do the the 13 up. You start at the end and then go all the way up. Uh, but I, a lot of the elite pros and the guys that I know have gone away from the FG knot or have gone back to the Albright and the Alberto. I think Brian Smith is the only one that's still arguing with me about it. I'm sure. Like with the high carrier. What's that? I'm sure a guy like Fighter who swears by the FG will argue on it. I, I, and I have. I couldn't win an argument with him. It's too strong. (laughs) But I'm just saying that is one of the biggest things we've come up with is uh, we get guys to go back and get away from those bigger, longer knots. That that really long FG knot tends to come off the spool crooked. It's Mm. one thing we notice with slow motion photography is it comes off crooked sideways. So it'll hit the side of your guide, the first guide it hits on its way through, which is really weird. Um, And I think a lot of that is because that knot grabs. It can grab some of that. If you don't have perfectly fresh braid, it grabs some of that braid on its way out. It gets mm. kind of stuck to the spool. I think it comes off crooked. But we've really started playing with um, different guides that cast really well. We found the 76er will be the first. We'll probably talk about it a little bit more after we come out with it. Um, but I actually think that more guides isn't better. A lot of people think that they got to pick up a rod. They've got to see 42. Oh, I got one. I got an argument I just got to do with a customer today. This will be good for you guys. This will make this will be good for the show. He told me he said, "Hey, your rods need more guides because the line touches the plank." What do you guys think of that? So, I don't think it matters as much in bass fishing as it does in steelhead fishing. The only time it matters is with casting gear, with like rods over eight foot long. But bass rods, I don't think it matters at all. Yeah, because it's probably not going to degrade the the. Uh, it's probably not going to degrade the line, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But I will tell you that the desire to keep the line off the blank for whatever reason never outweighs the negative aspect of putting twice as many guides on the rod to keep the line up off of it. The rod becomes super tip heavy. It doesn't have the same action because you've added so many wraps to it. It starts to get a little bit stiffer in its bend and, it, and you actually lose a little bit of sensitivity because it's so tip heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, those vibrations don't come your way. So I, I like, I mean, we've kind of messed with this, but I don't actually think there's any degradation to line quality as it touches the blank, even if you're fighting a really big one in bass fishing. What do you guys think? 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't see anything. Like, not that I've even noticed it would in, in years. Because I feel like the only way you'd notice that is like your line breaking up, like in your reel. Right. But yeah. I feel like it's super rare when that happens. Well, a lot of times too, like with casting setups where the line is touching the blank, we're using 15, 17, 20 pound tests and we're hardly fighting the fish for more than 30 seconds at a time. And that's where I was saying like in steelhead fishing, it matters because sometimes our main line is only eight pound tests. And as it's hitting the blank and you're fighting a fish from 200 feet downstream and you got to bring them upstream, you have a lot of different resistance going on. And I've actually broken fish off on casting setups with my line, like in the middle of my guides. And I know it's because I had a deep bend in that rod. So they actually developed a system just like a random twist where the guides start on the top and it spirals underneath to keep the line off the blank as you're fighting fish. Spiral wrap. Yeah. Spiral wrap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a, hmm. uh, uh, anyways, in the bass world, I can't speak to the other world. I, we just haven't seen that. So, I think the, uh, the the benefits of uh, less weight, especially for forward of the real seat, is more important. But anyways, yeah, yeah, going down that road. I don't even know how I got on that tangent. It was a good one though. <laughs> it, it was a good one. <laughs> well, Boomer, uh, you got anything coming up that the folks should know about? Anything for Alpha? Uh, yeah. I mean, we're actually revamping a bunch of our lineup. It's gonna be cool. We're we've uh. We've been in the middle of a testing period for the last year, so we'll have some cool stuff next couple months. Thank you. Really cool. The 76 ers just the beginning. Maybe. That was a pretty cool run. Hell yeah. And then on a side note, I'm getting creamed in fantasy fishing today. I hope Me you guys too. have that. You're cool. still leading because you have like a, I think it was a 500-point lead off second place going into uh-huh. today. So you have a buffer, but there's a few more events left. You might catch up. Oh my god! After this one, it's ugly. I've never seen after, that big of a change up. Like that was a bloodbath. Christie in sixty seventh. I mean, it's also the Sabine. He could be in sixty seventh today and second tomorrow. So that's true. I don't know about second. Could happen. All you gotta do is catch fourteen pounds and have twenty pounds after day two, and you're probably gonna be right there. He did it at Lay Lake, didn't he? Yeah. Like nothing. He went from middle of the pack to. Top three or something like that. And today. Chad Pipkin's like, he caught what fifteen pounds today, almost. Tomorrow he can go out and catch six, and now he's got twenty-one pounds and five other guys that had six pounds catch fifteen, and they're at the top, and he's in thirty-seventh. You just never know at that dang place. I feel like, yeah. Not to derail, exciting. not not to derail the fishing nerd uh, <laughs> podcast, but. <Yeah. laughs> Well, Andy, do you have anything left for Boom here? Uh, at this point, no. I'm just looking at these rods and trying to figure out what reels I want to put on them. Mm. That's my dilemma right now. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, speaking of reels, but also speaking of baits, uh, real quick plug in that uh, OmniFishions run a whole bunch of sales right now. Save money on tackle, but also reels. Uh, certain things are discounted at the moment, so go check those out. Um but uh, I got nothing left, honestly, Andy, to, to outro here today. Uh, doing some fishing, got some. We all, I will say, the next couple weeks we're not going to have uh, a live stream, a Tuesday night live for the next two weeks. I'm going to be out of town, um, and so and there's going to be two pre-recorded shows the next two weeks for you guys. So no Tuesday night lives the next couple weeks. 
keep note of that. And we'll obviously let you guys know on, on socials. But, um, Andy, I don't have any other closing notes, so uh, we could probably close it out with Boomer right here. Unless you got something for, for Boomer. You want to put him on the spot? Mm, not at this moment. No. I, <laughs> no? I feel like that just happens randomly on our like our random phone calls. I'll just kind of like, hey, <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, cool. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I love nerding out. Thanks. I I love somebody like let me nerd out without being like, hey, you're a nerd. Like, you guys are so nice. Here's what we'll do. You know, I wore a V-neck today, so Boomer, you're a nerd. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I accept that. Thank you. Boomer, anytime you want to be on the show, you always got a seat. We'll do do it like this, too, so that uh, it's it's all you. It's your show. (laughs) Yeah, just kidding. (laughs) Just sit and start. Just talk. Just randomly talk. Yeah. Talk. So we say every, it out, time, Boomer. every time we get Keith Tuma on this show, who's a buddy of ours from Minnesota, we always joke that he's the host because he's just a super outgoing dude. Like it's your show, Tuma. We're just taking care of it while you're gone. Like we'll just we'll exit. You just run the show. It's all yours, man. That's awesome. Yeah. But uh, man, appreciate you as always, especially taking time out to come talk with us, drop some knowledge on us and everybody else that uh, tunes into the show. Right, uh, folks. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it, and if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And, of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.